Hello everybody and welcome back to the table. It's me, Shannon, with my lovely co-host. Caitlin! Hello! Hello, hello! We are a little bit of out of, out of practice here. Uh, it's been some time since we last recorded, but I am so, so excited to be back. Yeah, we, I mean, we're a little late. I have no excuse or reasoning. It's just, I posted a week late. <laughs> now yep. we're going to do it again. It's okay. Just life is hip happening over here. Yeah. We got, we got busy, very, like, event-filled lives. Actually, we saw each other in person for, like, the second time since starting this podcast, so that's pretty cool. I know! <laughs> Got to see your face, so not just a random avatar picture that we pick for the week. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at least those change up a little bit, so that's always fun. Uh, but has it been... It's It'll have it, almost a year since we started this. Which is really? insane. Uh, yeah, I think it was August or September of last year we started it. Wow. Yeah, isn't that nuts? Oh my god, we need to have like a one year anniversary special. We should find a Just have every guest we've ever had on at once, and it'll just be absolute <gasps> hell to listen to. Perfect. We can do like a game show. Oh my god, what? Yes? Family feud. That would be fun. <gasps> it may be something we do over multiple episodes of like have like different groups of people. Yeah. But that would be so much fun. Ooh, okay. The wheels are turning. We'll figure it out. Okay, we'll plan that. We'll see how many people want to even come back and do it, too. That's true. They would have to have liked the podcast and us enough to come back. <laughs> I don't think anyone would not want to come back. Maybe my mom. I don't know. I think my mom had a fine time. I just don't think, like, being on the internet is her is her jazz. Fair. It's okay. She'd be happy to participate somehow. Lovely. Well, we'll figure it out. But um, yeah, we did get to see each other in person, which was so fun. And your mom, speaking of which, has been growing a number of things in her garden. Yeah, I actually went around the backyard and got a good look at it for the first time in a while. And she has grown a jungle. Uh, we have more tomatoes and raspberries and zucchinis than we know what to do with. We did, however, use one zucchini this weekend, which was very exciting. And we made brownies with it. We did. I have never made zucchini brownies before. So I don't want to say I was skeptical, but I was like, I just don't know how this is going to come out. Um, and it was delightful. We used special dark cocoa, which made it extra fudgy. Um, and it was like so strange for the first three quarters of us making that because it looked like it was just a dry bowl of ingredients and i was like this is not brownie batter consistency like how is this gonna work and then as soon as you add the zucchini there's just so much water in it that you don't mm. drain out ahead of time um <laughs> do it. not drain do according not drain. to the recipe the recipe had in all caps do not drain next to the zucchini multiple times so it became a it became a good joke between us uh Sisrita was with us a uh, former guest of the podcast as well so it was a good time i i don't get the zucchini brownies and not that i say that i didn't like them i love them i just don't get it you know what i mean like it's not healthy yeah like why do it i think it's more just to sneak a bit 
a vegetable in rather than to try to claim it's healthy. Yeah, that that makes more sense because the actual like blog post beforehand that no one ever reads and I don't know why they bother writing it. Um, it says like, oh my god, and these are healthy. I'm like, there's two cups of sugar in this. No, they're not. It's simply nothing. Um, it was a much cakier um, brownie than a brownie. It was very fluffy, mm-hmm. which is fine. Not my vibe for brownies, but I've never been able to home make brownies that were actually fudgy versus cakey. I just haven't found the recipe. So it certainly wasn't like a fail by any means. Yeah, I think that's accurate. It was more just cake than yeah. a brownie. Cake in a brownie pan. But. Yeah, pretty much. Although that would make a good cake, I think. Yeah, I think so. If we made it in a cake pan. Yeah, you could fool everybody. Happy birthday to me. Everyone have some cake. Hey, you're eating zucchini. <laughs> <laughs> pranked. You've been, been pranked. pranked. Absolutely goofed. You've been zucchinied. <laughs> Get zooked. <laughs> Oh my god, I need ways to sneak zucchini into everything now. Get zooked. That's... You just find a whole zucchini in your shoe one morning. <laughs> uh, and what a fantastic segue. If we get get zooked into, like, the English <laughs> language, we'll be among a number of other food idioms that we're going to yeah. talk about today. Yeah. Certainly not, um... Not a dry market over there for, for food idioms and phrases. Was that another do not drain joke? It's oh. not a dry market. <laughs> <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Yeah, didn't think of that. That's funny, though. <laughs> uh, um, I'm glad we did not drain. They came out pretty good. Pretty good. I do have a quick story to open us up before we get to the idioms thing though because i i i can't help it it's so funny okay and i told you this already go for it um this is for (sighs) i was in strawberry denial i think that's the only way i can phrase it um i found out rather abruptly that i truly hate strawberries and i was unaware that i hated strawberries (laughs) And I only found that out when I tried to put strawberries in my tea, like just blended strawberries. I didn't make a syrup or anything, which is like problem numero uno. And I was like, this tastes disgusting. This tastes exactly like all the smoothies I've tried to make on my own that taste disgusting. And then I realized that the common denominator was freaking strawberries. And I never eat strawberries whole because I do this like fruit hurts my teeth because it's sour and sweet. So I just eat fruit amongst other things usually. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm like, man, I don't like strawberries at all. I like strawberry syrup and strawberry flavored things, but stra- <laughs> I can't eat strawberries. And I'm kind of upset because like they're strawberries. Everybody loves strawberries. I want to love strawberries, but no, I ruined my tea. I blended an entire container of strawberries to, to enjoy with my tea for the next week. And then, thankfully, my brother likes it, so he he ate them instead. That's good. I'm glad they're getting use. Um, yeah. But yeah, I I totally understand like wanting to like something, 
it just it misses the mark every time. Like that's kind of how I feel about tea. I I would love to be a tea person. I just <laughs> no. I get so excited and then I drink a few sips and I'm like, actually, never mind. <laughs> Do you like iced tea? Mm, it's okay. I think it's kind of maybe a little bit better than hot tea, but still in the same bucket. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do green tea with, um, like, Truvia in it. So mine is sweetened, thankfully. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not an all-around tea person. It's kind of just that one. And it's a good start to my day. And then I can make it iced if I want. But I, there's a lot of tea I have not tried, so limited there, I guess. Yeah. You got tea with us this weekend, though, and you didn't like it all that much. <laughs> yeah, I I got milk tea, which was silly because i don't really like milk either so i don't know what i was thinking <laughs> i just saw banana and i was like yeah this is gonna be good i would also like to point out and like this is not a slight because i do this all the time but we went to a boba place and she got it without boba dude <laughs> i it's another thing you know you think you like it and then you just have it a couple of times and you're like i don't Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's weird i had that same realization with pancakes too whereas like Noah and i were deciding what to have for breakfast and like i always throw pancakes out as a suggestion and then we were both like we never want pancakes and i was like i don't like pancakes do i and he goes i don't think i like pancakes either <laughs> so now we just make waffles if we if we're gonna cook something similar to that or we go out for breakfast that's so funny. It's like those sneaky things you don't like, but yeah, they'll just pop up on you. And you're like, I've been living my whole life thinking that I like this. <laughs> yeah. But well, yeah, and to that I say, cool beans to, to realizing you don't like food. And it's okay. It's okay. Maybe there... it's just not your cup of tea. Sometimes you just gotta say, Pasta la vista, or dang it, I messed it up. Pasta la pasta to foods you think you like, but you don't. I ruined the segue. Anyway. <laughs> it's okay. The intent was there. Maybe I'll edit that, or maybe I won't. No, I need a fail on record. It's going to stay. <laughs> Just like the but intent it. to like strawberries, the intent to segue was there. Yes. The attempt was there, and it fell flat. Flat as a pancake. There's four forced segues that lasted too long. Anyway, what, so we just we both have compiled or found or researched lists of uh, idioms, phrases, and whatevers that include food, and maybe some we'll learn the origins of, and some we'll just laugh at. Who knows? Yeah. Would you like to go first? Um, sure. Uh, the one... I mean, I'll use the one that I've already said because that's um, where I started with this was hasta la pasta. When we were talking about this, like, right before the episode started. And I didn't even know what hasta meant. Um, and then Shannon reminded me of the phrase hasta la vista. So I'm like, oh, okay, it's Spanish. Got it. Um, and it just, it's just, hasta la vista means see you later. And pasta rhymes. So they shoved it in there. So not a, not a very big origin story, but it is one of the first ones I remember learning and liking as a kid was hasta la pasta. Yeah, was that 
from anywhere in particular, like someone started saying it, or is it more like you just heard family or friends? Um, my aunt said it for sure. My aunt Monique definitely said it. She she would always say the like, "See you later, alligator." In a while, crocodile pasta la pasta. Like it was a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I did see that an incredible. Um. Urban Dictionary link uh, saying it came from those Nancy Drew computer games which like I feel like is not true it's not true but can I prove it otherwise no I can't yeah am I gonna bother proving it otherwise absolutely not <laughs> so I mean I think it sounds pretty canon to me from those video games <laughs> awesome yeah that's mine. Number one. Nice. That's so fun. Uh, so, I have first on my list, um, when something is your cup of tea or not your cup of tea. Um, so, basically meaning, if it is your cup of tea, you like it. If not, you don't really like it. Um, but this says it's been used since the late 1800s. Um, and that is oh, because wow. tea has been an important drink in many cultures throughout history. And in the early 20th century, a cup of tea was used to mean that you held a certain affinity or affection towards something in um, Benny Hale's 1937 song, A Nice Cup of Tea. (laughs) I like that it has some origins in a song. That's pretty cool. That is fun. It also looks like it was in uh, William de Morgan's novel, Somehow Good, also from the early 1900s. So it just, uh, it popped up in a couple of songs and books, and then I think it keeps, has stuck around just all that time. That's pretty cool. Alright, my next one is to go bananas. If someone has gone bananas, it means they've gone crazy or bonkers. And what I've found very through, like, my brief research is, like, it's most likely probably related to monkeys and, like, you know, animals go crazy for something that they like. But it it kind of, there's no origin place. Like, you have, like, both the, the book and the song. Mm-hmm. Just kind of, you know, monkey brain. Animals be excited for food that they love. Um, And I'm glad that, like, monkeys actually do like bananas because there's a lot of, like, assumptions about food with animals that people have that are just plain wrong like mice don't particularly like cheese that's that is bananas (laughs) i remember Um, hearing that i don't know exactly when i first heard it but it was in my late teen or like early adult years i was like why who started that rumor then Also, cats do not particularly love lasagna. Garfield is an outlier and should have been excluded from the statistic. I don't believe that one. (laughs) I truly just cracked myself up on that one. (laughs) That one might be going on a TikTok. Oh my god, I am my favorite fan. I am my biggest fan. Good. As you should unlike be. my, unlike my fan that's currently off right now, so there's no background noise. That's so funny. 
Um, also thinking of bananas too. I don't know if this is the origin, but like that song, go bananas, B A N A N A S. Oh yeah, that definitely came from the phrase. Yeah, I'm sure that song came out after the phrase was a thing. Yeah, is that Gwen Stefani? I think so. Yeah, is that in Hollaback Girl? It's Hollaback Girl. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I saw someone post something that was like, "If only Gwen Stefani spelled out." tomorrow or wednesday in her song (laughs) (laughs) so that they could remember how to spell stuff that's so funny but yeah hey go bananas that's a good one go bananas i didn't have that on my list awesome i can only hope to have ones that you do not have (laughs) okay next up for me is when you take something with a pinch of salt or with a grain of salt uh, so, oh. this idiom um, is, like, here's some information knowing that it's probably not 100% accurate or true. Uh, we've said it before on this podcast. <laughs> Take our oh, information yeah. with a grain of salt, because we do minimal research here. Um, it's, it's going on a shirt that's coming. It's, it's coming, but it's going to be on a shirt. It's going to be on a shirt, which is so fun. Um But this one is really interesting because um, they trace it back to ancient Greece. And the idea comes from the fact that food is more easily swallowed if it's taken with a small amount of salt. So, by by translation, like, the truth is more easy to swallow if it's a little bit untrue. Oh, so it's more digestible. That's interesting. Yeah. Huh. I, yeah, I always meant that, like, take it with a grain of salt as in, like, don't prioritize it too much. Like, this information is as small as a grain of salt. Mm. That's funny. I also find, like... Ooh, I'm getting a little echo from you. Um, I find, like, calling it a grain of salt, too. It's like... Grain is a very specific word. That, like, I don't know. It's used for salt very often. But when I think of a grain, I think of, like, wheat. I don't know. Yeah. It's a weird take, I think. That's true. I'm not exactly certain why it's a grain. I'm reading a little yeah. bit more in this article to see if that covers it. Um, Because, mm-hmm. like, a sh- you wouldn't say a grain of sugar. You'd say, like, a crystal of sugar. Or a ground of pepper. Would you say grain of pepper? Maybe you would. Yeah. Oh, maybe that's why? Because it's ground? It's a grain? Yeah. Oh, do those words have the same root word? Maybe. Maybe. You're, you're probably right. No. Huh. I just made that up hearing you say them both next to each other. <laughs> it sounded similar, so I don't know. So I have... I just pulled up another bit of research on the next one I'm going to say, which is the apple of my eye, which I thought was pretty interesting. Oh, yep. Oh, okay. Cool. So I actually, I thought the apple of my eye meaning is like, it means something desirable, something you like to look at, um, some, just something you enjoy, 
And I thought it um, was like referencing like the creation story in the Bible, like Eve looked at the apple and desired it. Um, I guess not. It's also from the Bible. It's just from somewhere else. Um, and in Deuteronomy is where it says it in one of the places. He found him in a desert land and in the hollowing waste of the wilderness, he encircled him. I got a pop-up ad. Hold on. <laughs> he this ad's on my Bible stories. He cared for him and he kept him as the apple of his eye. So basically that back then apple of his eye meant like the little man in his eye. So like the person, um, it's a reflection of yourself. So that's what it came from is the apple of his eye was he was um, thinking about himself. So the phrase has definitely changed since its original usage. Wow. Okay. So apple of my eye originally means a reflection of yourself, whereas now it's more just like a treasured someone. Yeah, it usually means someone else. Um, in Hebrew, it actually directly translates to little man of his eye. Um, so it's basically seeing yourself reflected in somebody else somebody else's eye so i don't know I, I mean i can see the the change from the apple of my eye being like what you are looking at rather than seeing yourself in someone else's eye mirror mm -hmm. I, I hate that i said that um <laughs> you know the eye mirror <laughs> the eye mirror um and i have three sources that I'll say it's from that phrase versus like the creation story, which I totally thought it was Adam and Eve. Hmm. Uh, to be the apple of someone's eye clearly means that you are being focused on and watched closely by that person. Okay. So that description comes from Shakespeare. So around Shakespeare's time is when it started to change into being less self selfish and being about someone else. Yeah. I am so glad you brought up Shakespeare. I feel like we've got to commend my guy, Willie Shakes. The number of phrases and words that he just came up with that are now so commonplace. It's crazy. He came up with swag. Swagger. I, like, what? <laughs> oh. I don't understand. Like, that is um. so impressive to just be such a, like, cultural force. That you yeah. are sitting in your room one day alone, you're like, swagger, that sounds like a fun word. And then it just becomes a thing for hundreds of years. <laughs> I can only imagine Willie Shakes himself seeing what we have done with his plays today. And seeing his phrases used the way they are used today. And I can only imagine his reaction to them. Kind of like that scene from Doctor Who where... Uh, Vincent Van Gogh comes back and gets to see all of his work in a gallery. I think it would be the opposite reaction of that. I don't know if you've seen that scene. I have not. So what was his oh. reaction? Oh my god, it breaks my heart and it's not even real. So Vincent Van Gogh is one of my favorite artists. My favorite painting is Sunflowers. Um, but in, in Doctor Who, they, they bring Vincent Van Gogh, who is very... He was depressed and messed up his whole life. And he never got to see any of his paintings sold. Mm -hmm. Ever. Um, he's only... We only know about him because his brother and his brother's wife saw the, the meaning in his paintings. And after he died, turned him into what he is today. And they 
they bring him to like a gallery of his work in what looks to be like the art museum in Boston that I've been to. Um, and he just, he, he starts asking people why they're here and why they care. And he just starts to sob and it's just, the music swells up and it's just him spinning, looking at all the paintings and just, it's beautifully done. And I've never watched Doctor Who beyond that moment. And that one scene just freaking kills me. It's so, it's so well done. Um, And I can only imagine that's how he would react to some capacity beyond like absolutely having a psychotic break when seeing an iPhone. But like beyond that point. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Wow. That is so like, I don't even have a word to describe it. It's, it's so interesting that someone, you know, recognized not only like Van Gogh is so huge and like has such an influence now today after his death, but someone who created Doctor Who was like, let's bring him back from the past and insert him yeah. in this world now. Like, that's yeah. so cool. So brilliant to have written that scene in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to, I mean, like we can't do it for our actual Vincent, but we can, you know, give us a taste of it in like through through one director's eyes and one screenwriter's eyes. But it was just so cool to watch, especially when like I studied him and it was part of like my college education. We still learned about a lot about him, mm-hmm. and the whole thing with like he ate yellow paint to feel happier. It was more likely that he just licked the end of his brush a lot, which a lot of artists did. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was, yeah, it was, he was super depressed, like, and poor his whole life. His brother kept him afloat the whole time because he, he supported his art and all that. And he never got to see any of his paintings, like, sold beyond a couple pennies here and there. Wow. Just like, oh my god, he's like one of the coolest artists of all time. It, (laughs) it sucks. That's the thing with art. That's the catch-22 is, like, how many artists, like, don't see a lick of their fame until after they died. Yeah. Thank you, Instagram, for letting me share my art while I am alive. <laughs> I appreciate it. Because we know sure as heck my brother wouldn't be selling them. <laughs> <laughs> wow, no faith in your brother. Eh, it's just art ain't his thing. Fair enough. Um, he'd, sell, he'd sell my computers. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But, um... So Shakespeare, seeing his yes, own plays, sorry. I I think you would love it. I don't know what you were imagining his reaction to be. I imagine him laughing, like you see him like the crucifixion of Romeo and Juliet, and like Romeo and Juliet, and then the like the Lion King. Yeah. I think he would laugh. <laughs> yeah, definitely, he'd get a kick out of it. Like this is not what I meant at all, but love to see it. <laughs> Yeah. Or when you see just showing him the picture of Swagrid, and I think you know what I'm talking about. Do you do you know Swagrid? I, I am familiar with Swagrid, yes. Okay, all right, good. I it didn't come through if you said anything. No, I was just but... laughing. I haven't oh. thought about it in a hot minute. <laughs> Yeah, and it's um it's like oh also Bilbo Swaggins. Um just 
Beautiful. So <laughs> like good. to have, I want him to see those two, and then I need to, him to watch parts of Harry Potter and part of Lord of the Rings, and just exist in our world for a little bit. Yeah, I think Shakespeare would get a kick out of those things. Mm. Yeah, I could see that happening. <laughs> then he needs to go watch Wicked. Mm-hmm. And then I think he would write, like, seven more plays while he was here. Like, he just... Yeah. <laughs> so he many. just start popping them out. Popping them out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is if uh, William Shakespeare is really who he says he is. Because there's that, like, weird conspiracy that he's not actually him and he's a ghostwriter. True. I've also heard theories that it's, like, multiple writers were under the name mm -hmm. of Shakespeare. Um, yeah, I've seen that too. Oh, the real Shakespeare watching something rotten, though. It's so <laughs> funny. That's a quality <laughs> musical. If you <laughs> don't know anything about yeah. it out there, would recommend. We need to show him the true magic of theater, and he has to watch uh, Trail to Oregon by Starkid. <laughs> Just to see the ending with the dysentery, I, he would he would self-destruct. Oh, man. Wow, what a guy. Anywho, um, he is responsible yeah. for a lot of phrases, which we love to see. Um, mm -hmm. So, what was even the original phrase that got us on this tangent? I said the apple of your eye changed over in Shakespeare's time to mean something else. That's right, okay. Perfect. I think he also came up with break a leg. I believe that. Yeah, I don't know for certain, but... Alright, so, the next phrase on my list is easy as pie. Mm. And this one is so fun, because it's wrong. But it's, <laughs> it's right. So the original pie version... So hard to make. Exactly, so the original version of the phrase was easy as eating pie, which makes way more sense. Oh. Uh, so a US magazine called Sporting Life published... A baseball commentary in 1886 that said, as for stealing the second and third, it's like eating pie. So that's correct. Easy as eating pie. And then June of the following year, a Rhode Island newspaper picked it up and used a shortened phrase, easy as pie. And from they there, Rhode Island. they just, they kept it the shortened way. <laughs> that's so funny. I, I love hearing when phrases do that, when they're just, like, completely wrong because people decided to change them. Mm-hmm. Because pie is freaking difficult. It is. I I it, underestimate how hard it is, and usually around Thanksgiving, like, we'll make an apple pie, and I'm like, gee. Yeah. And there are ways to cheat a pie. Obviously, you can get pre-made um, crusts. You can get the rolled crusts and then unroll them. You can get pre-made filling. But if you're doing it, like, from garden to table... It's a long process. It is. And you have to be careful with the crust, too, because doesn't it kind of shrink up as it bakes? Yep. And some recipes, you have to par-bake them, meaning you have to bake them with nothing in it or with no filling in it. And mm -hmm. then you put the filling and then you bake it again. And when you par-bake some of them, you have to put, like, rice or beans in it to, like, keep it from puffing up and shrinking. Yeah, it's it's a much harder process than you'd expect it to be. 
Maybe in part yeah. because of the phrase, you hear it, easy as pie. Yeah, and yeah, I, I, I don't know anyone who expects pie to be easy at this point because everyone's very well aware of the work it takes to make pie. <laughs> but for those who think pie is easy to make, I encourage you to make a pie. Because you'll get a great result, but then you'll have to have made a pie. <laughs> <laughs> you'll get to eat it. But you'll learn lessons along the way. <laughs> yeah. I had to do the par-bake thing with a quiche, which is arguably not a pie, but damn close to a pie. Um, and that was the first thing Noah and I ever made together, was a quiche. Oh, you made a quiche? Yeah, so the first time we ever got to work together was in high school, because I went to a vocational school, and we were in culinary together on the same team. So we got to make quiche together. And it's that he sucked, but it was a good time. It wasn't the quiche. It was the friends you made along the way. Hell yeah. And I'm going on eight years with that friend. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, nine years since we've been friends. So, yeah. Nice. I am not a huge fan of quiche in general. It's not that good. No. I've tried Just to omelets them. are better. Yeah. I just, like, don't know what I expect it to be, but then I'll eat it, and I'm like, that's not what I expected. Mm -hmm. It's super milky and creamy, which we know you're not a fan of anyway. Yeah. Has to be in the right context. It, yeah, and it's savory. It's one of those, like, anything baked in a circle like that, I think should be sweet. Sorry. <laughs> just, yes. just, just um, I like frittatas, which is just ba basically a baked omelet, so there's crust only on the bottom or not at all and then it's just egg plus fillings above it there's not usually a lot of milk or cream it's just egg and that's usually pretty good yeah maybe that's part of it it just i expect a quiche to be sweeter or like a dessert mm -hmm. and it's not you look at it and you're like oh my god a cheesecake and then you eat it and it's not a freaking cheesecake it's egg yeah <laughs> it's yeah it's just the expectations are not set up for the presentation i think Definitely. And it's not easy to make either. It's not easy as pie. Easy as pie is as easy to make as quiche. Complicated. <laughs> <laughs> Takes a lot of work. All right. This one weirds me out if you think about it for too long. To butter me up. Mm -hmm. That's gross. And I know it's usually in like a pretty neutral, like, normal setting. So you buttered someone up, you, like, you know, you praise them, you flatter them, or, like, you set them up to ask them a question, like, you gotta butter them up before you ask for a raise kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people use it in a more romantic setting, like, to butter up your your spouse, not literally, um, you know, to get them in a good mood for whatever you plan to do mutually, consensually after that. Um... But don't butter people. That's disgusting. <laughs> I don't get it. You just run up with a stick of butter. <laughs> it's like tag. <laughs> it's like tag. Squat. And you just like smash the butter stick into them. 
Because I'm seeing a visual here, and it's a it's a man in a suit with a cigar and a person, clearly like their employee, standing behind them holding a stick of butter on a knife. I don't get it. Um, I get if you like you add butter to corn or popcorn or toast or something, and it makes it better, makes it more appetizing because butter is delicious. But it's one of those phrases that, like, I don't use, but if I did use it every time I did, I'd be like, that's a weird thing to say out loud. Yeah, I'm trying to think if I... I don't use it often, but I have used it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't think I really use it in reference to myself. Like, I don't say I'm going to go butter someone up. But, like, mm. if someone's telling me a, a story and they, you know did that essentially but um not the idiomatic phrase version of it um <laughs> what is it actually called compliment someone no it's more than that yeah flatter them flatter that's the word i was thinking of thank you um yeah we're we're even now <laughs> yes so if someone's telling me a story and then i'm like oh you had to butter them up to get what you wanted wow yeah that was it... such a roundabout story i'm so sorry no, it's fine. It's it, it crosses the line between flattering and manipulative. Mm -hmm. And I think it's funny both ways, but it's, I don't know, it's one of those, like, when you say it, it's one thing, but when you think about it, it's like, ew. Yeah. So did you find an origin for it? I didn't. Nope. It's just, it just relates to, like, putting butter on popcorn or corn or something just makes things better. Okay. Because I also had this on my list, and there's a possible oh. origin. I don't know if it's accurate. Um, nice. But this one says it might be traced back to ancient India, or just like cool. South Asian, Middle Eastern sort of um, like places. Um, and ghee butter was used in ancient religious rituals, where it was a popular practice to throw balls of ghee butter onto sacred sculptures of various deities in reverence as an offering. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that could be, that's, cool. that's an interesting, if that's right. Because it's sort of like that's... they're literally putting on butter to get the favor of their gods. Huh. They must have some slimy statues. I know. You just well, walk by it the next that. day and you're like, that's a little, it's a little slippery. <laughs> I can see, that makes a lot of sense too. Like making, you know, making butter, this effort there, and then making ghee, which is clarified butter, which is basically the, like the extra butter fat is taken out. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of work to put into that. And then to, to then offer something that took a lot of work up uh, to a god would make sense to me. Yeah. Interesting. I like that. That makes more sense than popcorn. Yeah, I mean, that also makes sense, too. Because that does, <laughs> you know, make it better. For sure. Yeah. All right. What do you have next? All right. Next up, I have Say Cheese. <laughs> I hate this one. Yeah, it is... Um, it Sure, you've heard it before if you're about to take a photograph and the person behind the camera says, say cheese. It's basically a way for the people who are being photographed to say the word cheese and it's supposed to just naturally 
make your mouth into a smile shape. So that is the, the functionality of it. And the first use of it was probably from Ambassador Joseph E. Davies, who worked under Franklin D. Roosevelt. And, uh-huh. and he is credited for being the first person to observe that by saying the phrase, it, it makes a person smile. It also, from the photographer's standpoint, does not work. Don't do it. Um, if if you're going for a picture that is, like, it's an important picture. Obviously, if you got some kids, like, taking pictures for fun, you, you gotta do this H.U.'s thing, because they all love to do it. <laughs> but it makes you look like you're grimacing. It shows, like, you're too much of your teeth, and you squint your eyes too much. Mm. You say cheese. Yeah, I do find it gives a very kind of forced smile when I've done it. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're not someone who smiles with their mouth open. Like, I just smile more with my mouth closed. And so if I say it, I look strange. Yeah. Which is fine. Oh my god, uh, wait, that's such a good point. Because I, I generally, when I smile, like, some of my teeth will show, but it's not, like, my whole set of teeth. And I remember past photographers being like, oh, show your teeth. Like, no, thank you. To get a bigger smile. And I'm like, I just look crazy. Yeah. And almost any photographer, like, knows when to use it and when not to use it and knows, like, how to make sure you're comfortable with your smile and that you look good on their end. <laughs> um, but it makes you just show, like, the sides of your mouth a lot more than you would if you were just smiling the way that you would smile. Um, the trick is to do something silly before the camera goes up and then you make yourself laugh. And that's how I do it. Mm. Like, especially if I'm taking pictures, like, in public, like I did it with my mom for my uh, graduation photos, I'll just do something dumb, like, do a quick Macarena, and then I'm laughing, and then my pictures come out better. Yeah. That's a good way to do it. <laughs> it's it's a great trick. And I've done it with Noah, too. I'll whisper in his ear, like, think about South Park, and he'll start laughing, and then I get better pictures. <laughs> but, yeah, that's that's a good one. I, and I definitely see why it's lasted. Because, like, it, uh, um, especially amongst kids, they love that. Ease, you know? Oh, yeah. They all say it the same way. Yeah, little kids for sure. I do remember, like, myself being little and then seeing other, like, little kids. Part of it is just, like, exaggerating the word cheese. Yeah, it's part of the experience. <laughs> you gotta get kids to do something with photos because they don't usually like them. Yeah. I have. Have your cake and eat it too. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, it's another one that like never resonated with me because I always like, well, having your cake, the point of it is to eat it. <laughs> and of course, that's my like sass brain not getting the point. Um, and it was first used in a letter from Thomas, Duke of Norfolk or Norfolk, Norfolk. I don't know. I live. You'd think I'd be able to say these things with the towns in our state. Um, <laughs> from Thomas, Duke of Norfolk, to Thomas Cromwell in 1538. Um, the, you, the, in British English, usually the last word is miss, missed, so it's, you can't have your cake and eat it. So, in American English, we would say two at the end. <laughs> um, basically meaning you can't enjoy it, um... Without using it up. Things are temporary. You can't have, like, 
both ends of the stick. You got to have it or you got to eat it. You can't have both. Mm-hmm. Um, and the meaning has stayed the same since back then, since that very particular letter. Um, and I still get it now, but I think eating your cake is much better than having your cake because looking at a cake is rather boring. Unless it's one of those cakes that doesn't look like it's cake. <laughs> well, look. An avocado. Avocado? Thanks. <laughs> I showed my little cousin Molly that video for the first time last weekend, and she couldn't get over it. I'm like, have you not seen this? You're on all the social medias that a 10-year-old could possibly be on. Yeah. And they realize that people are already too young for Vine. I was going to say, that's a, a bit of an older internet joke. Yeah, I also taught her about the magic of Crazy Frog. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you can have your cake and eat it too. Also, the point of cake is to give it away anyway. So even if you don't eat it, you're not going to have it. Another good point. Nice. That's a good one. I didn't even think of that. Thank you, Google. I didn't either, but I'm glad Google gave it to me. <laughs> oh, if he smokes. I don't know how we're doing on time here. We are at 48 minutes. Okay. Because I have, I think, several more, but like two that I definitely want to get to. Yeah. All right. So, one of them is a red herring. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, this is an, uh, well, if it's a red herring, that means it's, like, um, a distraction from the actual truth, is the functionality of the phrase. And this expression comes from the fact that an escaped prisoner would drag a dried red herring fish uh, behind them and then presumably run the other direction. So that way it would leave a scent that would throw off the bloodhounds. Oh. Huh. Yeah. It could also be linked to a former hunting practice where uh, you pull a stinky red herring across the trail of a hunted animal to sharpen the skill of the hounds being trained. So, kind of weird that there's one source saying it would throw off the hounds and then others saying it trains the hounds, but something to do with that, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I guess there's practicality in that, too, where if you usually don't get red herrings at first, but once you start to understand them, you pick them up in, in future media. Mm, that's true. We are but a bloodhound looking for entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. I, You know what's funny? I am more than aware that a herring is a fish. But every time I heard red herring, I thought of a bird. Me too. Re- really? Yeah. I don't know. I know heron <laughs> is a bird. Oh, heron is a bird, Maybe yeah. Maybe that's where the confusion is. But yeah, for the longest time, I thought it was a bird. Yeah. that's And are they like very much not red? Are they not red? Herons are white. Huh. Oh. Let me look it up. I've never actually seen one. They're white and gray. They look like a goose and a seagull had a baby. Bird. <laughs> Got a long neck, but like a short body. 
Oh, yeah, I've, okay. Sorry. I've seen a heron, the bird. I have not seen a herring, the fish. Oh, huh. Are herrings red? They are not. I imagine there's, there's like a rare red one here and there. They're very small. Hmm. I guess prisoners can only get their hands on small fish. Oh, I did get a red herring, meaning an origin, through Google Photos. <laughs> I guess you can get a rare red one. Maybe they smell stronger. Maybe. Hmm. Better, this is a very well photoshopped fish. There's a red one that I can see here, but I don't think they come that bright red. And now I'm just getting pictures of bloodhounds. Look how cute they are. <laughs> Aw, they're so wrinkly. <laughs> All right. What else is right? Oh, the cream of the crop. Mm-hmm. This one is always funny, and it's always funny because like the way people say it is always fun, and it became like a joke amongst a few people I watched on. YouTube. Um, and it just means the best. If you're the cream of the crop, you're you're the best in a certain uh trait or field. Mm -hmm. Um and it's it's very simple. It's uh the cream is the best part of a batch of fresh milk. So it's just the best, oh. richest, most desirable part of it. I never knew what the um, crop referred to. Yeah, I wouldn't use crop to define milk per se. Um but if you if you like kind of flip it the other way where it does it's not like super literal, the cream is still the best part of its individual product. Mm -hmm. So if you're the cream, you're the best. So if you're the best of the crop, you're the best single product amongst a big group. Yeah. yeah, cream of the crop. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And now I want some whipped cream. <laughs> oh, I bought um, Cool Whip for the first time in a while. Yeah. Just to make some, like, pina coladas. And oh my god, Cool Whip is so terrible. It tastes bad. It tastes bad? I could have gotten a bad bad tub. Um, But I usually get, like, either spray or I make it myself. But this was, like, in the container and it was so weird like it tasted fake and like homemade really? cream is so freaking easy to make so like I almost never buy it but I was just lazy and it was nasty wild I I haven't bought name brand Cool Whip in a while but we'll get tubs of the uh, grocery store brand whipped topping which <laughs> is kind of funny but I, I enjoy that a lot so I don't know if that's better I like that they say whipped topping. Like, whipped cream is not a brand name. Yeah. They could say whipped cream. They were like, we we got this topping. We need to make sure you don't put it on the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> That's funny. No, I gotta use that up, though. I should have just left it with you versus Rita or whatever, because you could have had it with fruit. True. Damn. I do like cream with fruit. 
I was going to have cream with fruit today for lunch, and then I opened the fruit container because my mom had let me know that there was a fruit container in there and that I could have it. Mm-hmm. And it was just green grapes, and they were moldy. Oh, so like, sad. I noticed, thankfully, before I ate a single grape, but I was like, damn. So then I went to start just eating the, the little container of cream that I brought, and I was like, this is gross. And then I was just over oh, 2. Oh, that's rough. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you opened the container and it was just strawberries. And you've had those oh, revelations. Man, could you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> I think the whipped cream would have saved the strawberries. But, yeah. I, I can have strawberries with something if I have them at all. And I think blended also makes them worse. For that plot. Mm-mm. Yeah. There's that one. Alright, cream of the crap. Creme de la creme. I don't remember what that's from. Maybe The Office? <laughs> Maybe. There's also Creme a la Creme a la Edgar from, like, the Aristocats. Oh, I don't remember that's, that. That is a deep cut that I barely remember. <laughs> but it's a, it's a dessert, I think. Oh. Huh. You do your next one while I research that. Cool. Uh, so, my next one is Walking on Eggshells. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, um, if you use this phrase, it means you are being careful or, um, like, avoiding difficult topics around- it's usually, like, around a person. Like, if that person's in a bad mood or, like, is known to get offensive about what you have to say, um, offensive, defensive, um, then you would say, I'm walking on eggshells. So, uh, this originates probably around the 1800s, when people would collect eggs from hen houses. And it, it makes a lot of sense. They would just take care not to walk on any broken eggshells, because that would disturb the birds. Oh. Yeah, that's one that like made a lot of literal sense to me, like without it there being a background. But knowing that that is the background is interesting. Yeah. And and no one's quite sure, well, I say no one, but it, this source is not entirely sure, like, where um, it first started appearing in language or in writing. So I don't know when exactly it became an official phrase, but it, I think it's something that's been generally understood for as long as people have been farming. Yeah. Huh. That's a good one. Yeah, and walking on eggshells just, you know. Being around someone who's in a, a fragile state makes sense. Yeah. That is one, that's a phrase I actually used more so than a lot of these. Um, yeah, creme de la creme a la Edgar is a um, English dessert that was used in the Aristocats. Hello? Is it an actual dessert? My door just makes noise. Um, it is an actual dessert. Yep. Um, they use it in the movie for to like put someone to sleep or something. But it's like a a, a cracker, but it's more like a, a a a cookie dipped in like a cream with cinnamon and sugar type drink, I guess. It's like a you drink it and then you dip the, the cookie in it, it softens it up. So like a Oreos and milk kind of precursor. It's fun. 
Yeah, looks good, actually. Binging with Babish made it. It sounds good. Um, I love, this one's probably my favorite, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. Of course! Yeah. That's like the food phrase. Yes, and like, obviously you have to hope that life also gives you water and sugar, but, um, you know, just making the best out of something. I'm an optimistic person, I like that phrase a lot. Um, you can also, when life gives you limes, make a margarita, you know, sometimes you just gotta... You know, sometimes the best of your situation isn't always lemonade, but I, love I, I like that phrase. And that one is not, I don't have an origin for that one. Um, I lost it. Nope. My page updated and I lost it. But yeah, it's again, self-explanatory. Probably as old as lemonade. <laughs> so fun yeah and it's one of those phrases too where you know the whole big long one is well known and, and used but also if someone just says when life gives you lemons and they don't finish the phrase like you can you know the ending so it carries the same meaning which is interesting yeah unlike a lot of phrases where like once you lose the second half it changes, like we were talking about with one of the first ones. Mm -hmm. Like, um, blood is thicker than water. Nope, it's blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. So the original phrase literally means, like, your found family can be more important to you than family. Whereas the shortened phrase means the exact opposite. Mm. I never knew or, about um, that one. Jack of all trades, master of none, is what people say. Um, but it's Jack of all trades, master of one, but better than a master of none. So it's better to have well-rounded skills, unlike the original phrase, or unless the shortened phrase uh, suggests you need to be an expert in at least one thing. Yeah. Well, the more you know. It's interesting how changing it, it'll almost become the opposite of what it was originally intended. Yeah, I, it. I can only imagine... Or in hope that it wasn't used, like, particularly nefariously, and that things just got shortened over time and their meanings changed, like the apple of my eye one. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, those a lot of those phrases are used, like, against people now, and that's not even what they mean. Like, blood is thicker than water being one that, like, I can imagine a manipulative family member would use against you, and that's not even what it means. Yeah. got good family that's awesome i got a good family but if you got good friends even better go uh we have um about time for maybe one more each if you want to do one more yeah that's perfect i i saved this one for last and it's kind of my my last i don't want to say my last good one like they're all interesting but i think this is the last one that i definitely wanted to mention here so uh, this is a bit of a, a newer, well, not newer, but, like, uh, more common for, like, Gen Z sort of phrase. Spill the tea. So, uh, if you spill the tea, basically you are sharing gossip. Or, um, <laughs> I, I think an older version of the phrase is, like, spilling the beans. Same sort of 
deal. Um, sharing secrets, sharing gossip. So, this is interesting. It's a little unclear which came first of these two groups, but uh, the term T being used for, um, like, meaning truth. Some say it, it started with African-American roots, and then others say it's originated in the LGBTQ plus community, and then spread to other af aspects of African-American culture. Um, but basically, it, it started in either one of those minority groups. And um, it was notably used in an episode of RuPaul's Drag Race in the 90s. <laughs> and uh, it it was spill the T, meaning like the letter T, capital T, and it meant truth. So, Oh my god. So they would say spill the T, spill the truth. And, uh... and uh, that prompted someone to share gossip. And then from there, it has gotten its way into mainstream culture through various like social media channels. But I think, honestly, like it was notably um, spread more with a meme of Kermit the Frog sipping <laughs> Lipton tea. And it, it became like a, like Kermit was sharing gossip. And that image would be used a lot in that sort of context. So that's where mm -hmm. the, the capital letter T sort of transformed into, like, tea the drink. That's funny. Um, I saw it a lot with the makeup slash beauty community on all platforms. Um, where they would, you know, they would use it a lot. But that's funny. I thought, like, it was always tea the drink. Because, you know... I can imagine a historical context of ladies gossiping while having a cup of tea together. Uh, but that's that's a great one to end on because I like that one a lot. Yeah, it's fun. And it's it's possible that like it may have had like it was the drink and then it went to the letter and then back to the drink. Like it definitely could have had roots before that. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I like fun. that it like or originated in like black slash LGBTQ communities which is cool and um i'm glad to like know that that's where that came from because i i don't know where i would have assumed it did but it would um i never thought about where it came from exactly um i know they use it a lot but so don't like white and straight people all the time so that's interesting yeah i like that one i i don't use it often other than like like with Noah when like he's like oh my god do I have something to tell you about work and I'm like oh my god spill the tea let's go like as a joke fully ironically because it it is a silly thing to say and like it's fine um I think it's fine using literally and kind of with an air of like sarcasm to it but the meaning is there regardless yeah I really love it I think in college I used it fairly often because friends around me were also using it um so now it's also gotten to a point where we personally in our friend groups will shorten it. So if someone is talking about something they want to get off their chest, we're like, oh, tea? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that or just spill. Um, yeah. Which also uh, came from spill the beans, which is another food phrase that was on my list, but wasn't my favorite. Yeah. But, huh. That's cool. Mine, I'm going to end on just because I like the 
phrase is to be in a pickle. <laughs> yes. Love that phrase. I save it for the end because I'd like to read directly off of this uh, article, which is uh, by Fluentu.com. Uh, 20 Juicy English ex Expressions is the article that I've found a lot of these from. Juicy Expressions? Juicy, yeah. So this expression is an odd thing to think about. How does one get into a pickle? It actually means to be in a difficult situation. I guess it would be a very difficult situation if you were indeed stuck in a tiny pickle. So it almost makes sense. <laughs> um, this is another one when you think of it literally, like the butter one. It's like, what? But um, to be a pickle stuck in a jar amongst many other pickles is you're in a tight spot, you're in a difficult situation. Um, and you gotta work yourself out of that pickle. Um, I don't get it. Um, I, I didn't pull up the history of it. And I will right now in a pickle. I just put it at the end of my list because I thought it was funny. So, is it saying, like, you are the pickle? And you're in a jar amongst other pickles? And that's the tough spot? Oh, um, neither, I guess. Uh, in a pickle means in a difficult situation. It seems to stem from two different places, and one of them being an early Dutch phrase, um, in de pickle zitten, which translates as sitting in the pickle or meaning to be drunk because you are, you are lost in the brine of, of alcohol, the brine of a pickle. Oh, I love that. Um, right? Um, I'm going to now slightly incorrectly say that I am in a pickle next time I am slightly drunk. <laughs> oh, we're going to go all, we're going to go full circle here because it's in Shakespeare's play, The Tempest. Ooh. How camest thou in this pickle? I have been in such a pickle since I saw you thus that I fear me will never out of my bones. Caitlin, <laughs> With I said that line. I was in a production of The Tempest. And I was King no Kula, the jester. And I totally, yes. Oh my god, as soon as you said that line, I was like, wait, I've done this before. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, one example of in a pickle used in the Belfast Telegraph, which uh, is in a newspaper or like a news um, media. In a pickle, forklift truck driver buried under tons of cheese. What? Is he okay? My god. Oh, he was buried under tons of cheese for eight hours. <gasps> no, wait, literally, is he okay? That's so much time. He's truly lost in the sauce. That's another phrase I use very often. I, like, genuinely hope this person's okay, but also, could they have eaten themselves out? They're lactose intolerant. Oh, no. <laughs> Literally um, a nightmare. He is okay. He was uninjured. Good. Good. It was soft cheese. I'm so sorry to hear that, my dude. Uh, Tomas Winzaneski. Uh, Winzaneski. On Friday morning. Oh, May 2016. This happened. <laughs> um, hope you're doing good, Thomas. Oh, wow. He's doing great now. How did we get a news article from that long ago? 
Um, so I looked up the history in the website The Grammarist, and underneath it links a bunch of times that in a pickle was used in media that they could find, and they actually provided links. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. I, Thank you, The Grammarist. He, he was in a pickle in that cheese. <laughs> oh my god. Were you in a pickle? Yeah, dude, I was stuck under a ton of cheese last night at work. Like, how do you even go into work the next day? And face your co-workers. Like, you have a bunch of bruises yeah. and things, and they're like, yo, what happened? And you're like, I, um, a bunch of cheese fell on me. <laughs> Plus, like, of all the phrases you can come up with, like, um, like, in a sticky situation or something like that, you use another food one that's unrelated to cheese. Mm-hmm. Um, besides, until we get to TikTok, where they made the cheese pickle. So just 2016 and 2020, just in in a loop here. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. I have been in such a pickle since I saw you last. I fear me will never out of my bones. And it cuts off. There's clearly a verb missing or we haven't yet gotten to it in that one line from The Tempest. But how camest thou in this pickle is going to be a new phrase of mine. (laughs) Yeah. Like someone falls or someone's stuck somewhere. How how camest thou in this pickle? That's so good. I don't <laughs> fully remember the line. Or honestly the whole situation, but I know it was towards the end of the show. And um the person who asked how camest thou in this pickle was like the the king. And um mm-hmm. they had just like gone through a whole storm and all of the rest of the play happened. And the jester, while trying to, like, save his own head, is like, well, we were in this pickle, because, you know, um, that's that's what I remember the energy being. I don't exactly know the circumstances, but um, I, I just fully remember, like, I had this, like, particular, like, I think I, like, brushed off his shoulder or something, and he shot me a dirty look, and it was just, like, the funniest bit we had running for so long. <laughs> That's funny. That seems like one of those things that like was done in a rehearsal and it just hit so well that yeah. like it stuck and it could not be performed without doing exactly. it. Exactly. Um, I love when that happens. Yeah. Wow. Good memory. I haven't thought about that show in a while. Yeah. Well, good memory to you. I read this, so. But yeah, thank you, Shakespeare. Um, this this podcast was ghostwritten by Shakespeare. <laughs> Um, as with all things that have been written, somehow they tie back to Shakespeare. You know, that seven degrees of separation. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't know about the seven degrees of separation, look that up because it's very interesting to learn about. And if you want to see it in action, play the Wikipedia challenge game because you'll find it. Awesome. But, yeah. Well, this was fascinating. So that, I, I yeah. love these phrases. Use a good chunk of them. So it's. It's so fun to learn where they started. Yeah. A little history lesson today. Some actual information shared upon this podcast. I know. Um, and as per usual, take it with a grain of salt, as we discussed earlier. Oh, what was... Oh, man, what's the phrase? The, the I put this on a shirt and I've forgotten it. Uh, take it with a grain of salt, a kernel of corn, and a spoonful of sugar. Yes. <laughs> So I, I guess we'll leave with that. If you guys have any that we did not say, um, share it with us somewhere. Or not. That's fine, too. 
Uh, but we'll see you in the next coming weeks. I will put no number on that because we'll never know. Who knows? We'll see what we'll do. We'll have a guest probably because this is the second in a row without a guest. Um, maybe we'll play a game. We haven't done a game in a while. Awesome. But with that, have a good night. Thank you, Shannon, as always. Of course. Hasta la pasta, everybody. Hasta la pasta. <laughs>